my name is The Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Because they came to whose house? Where'd you go to college? Syracuse? Syracuse? That's a basketball school. Rain man, good to go. Hey coach, how are you? I'm good, Rain, I'm good. Thanks for doing this today. No problem. I'll have an English muff if you got one. What's that? No, go ahead. Wait, I'm ready. Aha! This is the Sportzilla Show. Here's Rain and Scooter. Rain and Scooter. Rain and Scooter. Well, at the... I don't know if it's at the behest of. No, it's to the holy terror of Yankees fans. Luis Severino shut down for a few days with some forearm issues. Scoop and Rain here getting ready to go on a Thursday with Nick Ailes in studio. We're waving to you at Q Sports Talk. That was an active place last night. Twitch.tv. We'll discuss that in a few minutes with Nico Tamurian from CNY Central. He'll join us at 3.15. We have Jason Fitz from... ESPN and the Mothership, who will be joining us today. He's got a cool little new show going on. You've seen with Gold Wingo. If you're in Snapchat and you follow ESPN there, he runs that. He's all over Bracketology and March Madness. And look forward to talking to him a whole about a whole bunch of different stuff. But go back to Nick shaking his head in his Yankee sweatshirt today. I'm a little not feeling holding myself up right now because um, if you can you can see that on the cameras because yeah, that made me go uh oh. Luis Severino with the Yankees. You too? Yeah, not happy about it. After last year's health issues? It's just like, here we go again. Then we we should uh, adjust the microphone after we get on the air. That's that's the yeah. way to do that. I not not it, before I we get on I did it on purpose. I know. Just, just to you. annoy you. I'm totally teasing you. <laughs> and I'm more concerned with... Well, this is stressful. You're sitting funny. He's moving the microphone yeah. around. Obviously, you, this is angsty times here in the studio. Was it Severino's birthday yesterday or today? I don't know. He I just turned 26. And here we go. I'm like, okay, he's healthy this year. Spring training is getting started. Take it easy with him. Let's go. We've already got to deal with an issue in the starting rotation with Paxton being out for a little while with the back surgery. He's got a mustache now, by the way. I don't know if you saw that. It is a glorious mustache. But he is. He's he's going to be fine. Mustache. He's going to be fine. They figure middle of May, maybe he'll be back. But then, of course, uh, Aaron Judge is also taking it a little bit slow with a shoulder thing. They say that's no big deal, no structural damage. But I don't, I don't need these kind of concerns. Do you need these kind of concerns? Yeah. Or well, then, <laughs> no, I was gonna say no, but I have them anyway. Yeah, that's my fault. Happy 26th birthday, Luis Severino. Let's just hope this is much ado about nothing. This is just a spring training thing. There's also Charles Barkley's birthday. We just learned 57 years old. You ready? Really. You ready? He's 57? Yeah. It was terrible. There you go. It's close to 60 now. It's terrible. Had to have that ready. So I thought he already was, to be honest with you. A couple things happening. It's terrible. Birthday-wise. and Outside of the world of sports, it is National Love Your Pet Day. I don't it, know if you've seen that all over social media. It would have been Kurt Cobain's 53rd birthday. Ah, there you go. There you go. It still is, technically, right? Yeah. So, sort of his birthday, if, if you want to. It's his birthday, but he's... He didn't make 53. He did not. There's uh, all sorts of stuff still happening in Major League Baseball, though, I guess, beyond those things. I'm happy to be able to talk about that and not the cheating scandal, but it just doesn't go anywhere. Still a hot topic of conversation. I've, I've got some audio that I felt maybe I would share with you since we brought up the Yankees, and we'll start with Aaron Judge. Since he's he's not really throwing all, he's just starting to throw a little bit. He hasn't really been swinging the bat at all. 
They did ask him the other day his comments on this Astro situation. They're still making the rounds, especially if you follow the Yankees on Twitter. Oh, boy. It was tough to watch, you know, through the whole thing. You know, once it came out, you know, I was pretty mad, pretty upset to know that we were probably cheated out of a possibility of making it to the World Series. That's tough to kind of let go. Wasn't a fan of the punishment. I thought that was a little weak for a player-driven scheme that no players involved got any punishments. You know, it affected the fans of the game, you know, and even other guys, the guys that lost their jobs because of it. Do you think the Astros should be stripped of their 2017 uh, championship? Yeah, I just don't think it holds any value. You cheated and you didn't earn it. You know, that's how I feel is it was and earned you know, to know that another team had an advantage that nothing you can really guard against. I just don't feel like that's earned or it's not earned. Here's why it's a big deal for me when Aaron Judge says something like that. Not that there haven't been numerous others. Nick Markakis just said they deserve a beating. You've heard a lot of different people make comments. But I'll also lump this in with Mike Trout. And this is kind of a conversation we've had about this. Mike Trout doesn't say anything. Mike Trout doesn't want to be in commercials. Mike Trout's without question the best player in the game. But when he speaks out about it, and then somebody like Aaron Judge, who has taken over for Derek Jeter on the Yankees, not the captain, but the unofficial captain, he's the he's the face of the franchise. And when the judge speaks, people listen, because Jeter, Mike Trout, Aaron Judge, they all do something, which is say nothing. They say something, but there's nothing there. They're the masters at that when speaking to the media. So when Aaron Judge comes out and says something that point blank and direct, it kind of tends to catch your attention more so than some other guys that'll just chirp all the time. I think we all can think of examples of that. Trevor Bauer. Yeah, I I mean, but when it's Aaron Judge, you know this, you see his post-game press conferences, he's all about the team, short, sweet, to the point. He's very, very deliberate. He doesn't just react in emotion. He's always usually pretty level and calm. But there you go. I, I mean, that to me, that speaks volumes about how bad this really is. When guys that are generally known to not have much of a personality, at least their public persona, then I go, yeah, man, this is really, it it just, it heaps onto the fact that we already know this is a horrible situation for Major League Baseball, and it's not going anywhere. And I blame the commissioner's office, I blame the Astros organization, I blame these players who essentially give the apology that I'm sorry I got caught. I mean, that's how all those apologies have sounded. And Jim Crane is just like in complete denial of his tainted World Series. You know, it's just uh, a bad look for the league, and it gets worse by the day. And I'm blaming the commissioner's office for allowing this to happen. We we know Freddie Coleman, right? We know Freddie Coleman. Oh, I love Freddie. ESPN Radio Night Times, perhaps you've heard him at some point. Well, here's an interesting look at this from a different angle. I think some have thought about this, but it hasn't been a main part of the discussion because everybody's talking about, well, you're going to see the Astros get hit. We mentioned that Vegas has odds. It's 83 and a half times they feel an Astro will be hit by a pitch. You choose the over-under. Maybe you make some money. But here's where it gets interesting. What happens if, say, a guy on the Astros just happens to get hit by a pitch under normal circumstances? That's an option too. It doesn't, it's automatically going to be assumed to be deliberate when it happens to an Astros player. Major League Baseball has basically told the 29 other teams that we know what your intent's going to be. And we've been able to look into our crystal ball and be clairvoyant and read your mind and say, you're not pitching inside. 
you were trying to hit a batter the Astros based on how you guys feel about them and how they cheated the game, how they became the cheat strolls in this situation. The last thing you need if you're Major League Baseball is that Rob Manfred and his trusty cohorts determining what's intent and what's not intent with too much gray area around this involving the Astros and the other 29 in Major League Baseball. And we all know that there is some serious issues with the umpires, balls and strikes and calls and replay, and now they get to determine and get inside of the mind of a pitcher and go, you know what, I'm judging jury and executioner here. You meant that, or you didn't mean that. That's going to affect the outcome of games. Scoop and Rain here, Sports Illustrated Show, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Nick Ailes also in studio with us. Let's hear from both of you, Scoop. Well, I, I just, you said all that, and the scenario came to mind where a pitcher gets tossed from a game, essentially a game suspension for throwing at Jose Altuve for cheating last year, who didn't even get a suspension of one game yeah. for cheating <laughs> in previous years, actually, not just last year. But, I mean, uh, oh, my Lord. Uh, imagine the irony of that. That is just, it's baffling to even conceive of it yeah i was talking about this earlier with a buddy of mine it's just like imagine like houston goes to baltimore right baltimore they got 162 games probably 162 different starters so they got a guy (laughs) coming up making his major league debut true story probably super nervous you know i i would be handshaking all that first pitch so nervous loses the ball throws behind the guy you're gonna suspend that guy first major league pitch no like the intent's not there. There's, it doesn't make sense. There's but, so many scenarios, some of them like that, we, we kind of haven't really thought of. And you're going to start to think of those and see those develop on their own throughout the course of a season. Because I'm not saying it, it's not going to go away all year. It's going to be a black cloud that hangs over the game. But every once in a while, you'll just be sitting there not thinking of that in, a, like in that present moment that you're enjoying. It's the third inning in some random game, and, and the Astros are playing, and, oh, it's like 78th game of the year. And you're like, oh, boy, here we go. Here we go. You're going to see brawls because of this. You're going to see a lot of brawls. You're going to see a lot of brawls involving the Astros this year. I'm telling you right now. Unless the commissioner's office does the right thing and suspends these guys for some games and actually revisits this issue. And as they tried to say, they were going to keep some of this open-ended. Okay, well, this whole tattoo nonsense, we got... Like, it sounds like a lie to cover another lie. They're calling it Tattoo Gate. Yeah. You know, I mean, at some point, I think the commissioner's office has to go, okay, we muffed this. Maybe they don't have to publicly say that, but we muffed this. Let's give these guys a suspension for 60 games or whatever. Guy named Joe Girardi, who uh, played amongst uh, with other teams, but amongst them the New York Yankees, world champion, won a World Series with the Yankees 2009. Manager the Florida Marlins, commentator on Major League Baseball Network, commentator on ESPN, now currently the brand-new manager of the Phillies. He's got a little bit of credibility. You know, there's some people that lost their jobs that, you know, really were the people that had to pay for it, but there were a lot more people involved. And, you know, the financial gains for the players are substantial if they have big seasons because of this. So if there's no punishment for them, I'm not sure that it stops. I, I, I'm really not sure because the financial gains, similar to the steroid era, it, it's very similar. Like if you know what's coming and you have a big year and you're a free agent, there's a lot to be made there. And players want to take care of their families. So 
I'm not exactly sure what the right answer is, but I don't know how much of a deterrent it is for players right now. Let me just share with you one more comment from Joe Girardi on this issue. Because a lot of people are talking about vacating the title, stripping them of that World Series in 2017. Where do you draw the line? You know, where do you draw the line with that? And I understand people's feelings about that. You know, if you had a player that was, you find out later that he took steroids and was part of a World Series run and had a big a big series, do you vacate that trophy? You know, where where do you draw the line? And everyone's going to have their own feelings on it. I have my own feelings on that and steroids. I, I do, but... That's that's a tough line to walk. It it, it really is, and um, everyone's entitled to their own feelings, and that's a great thing. And I think as we continue to hash this out over the months to come, I think we'll have probably have a better idea of what to do next time. And as you may or may not know, there is an Astros fan suing the team because the cheating has caused ticket prices to soar. So the lawsuit says they deceptively deceptively overcharged for season tickets while knowingly and surreptitiously engaged in a sign-stealing scheme in violation of Major League Baseball's rules. By doing that, the Astros secretly put a deficient product on the field. Says the Astros should pay back all their season ticket holders for inappropriate increases from 2017 to 2020. It also asks that the team not raise season ticket prices for at least two years Moving forward, that's been out there. It's getting a little bit more publicity. Who was the guy that predicted that yeah. several weeks ago? You did absolutely. Class action suit on the part of the season ticket holders. You did. Uh, you brought the. Rece- I'm bringing you the receipts because I completely remember you saying that right here on the Sportzilla show. That scoop. He's going to bring us back, and we'll be joined on the phone by Nico Tamurian from CNY Central, their sports director. Sportzilla Show, ESPN Radio, 97.7 and 100.1. It's the Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio, 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop. And we are joined by CNY Central Sports Director Nico Tamurian, who did our twitch.tv slash Q Sports Talk SU Watch Party last night. Uh, how much of a blast was that, Nico? Oh, my goodness. That's so fun. First of all, thanks for having me, but... I mean, to watch a game with those Orange Legends and, and really guys from different eras, Rosie Bowie, Lawrence Moe, and Eric Devendorf, it's just a thrill because how many times, you know, have you watched a game and wondered, not necessarily like why something happened, but like, you know, what, gosh, what does this guy think? What does that guy think? So it's really, uh, even with what they say, pretty insightful just to catch their reaction. So I know the next one they're doing is uh, next Saturday when Cuse takes on North Carolina. It's a blast, man. I'm so happy they involved me in that. Let's just be honest. Devo is a little bit extra too. He's he entertains me. He is he is as impassioned as he was when he was on the court, which is why he's a Syracuse legend and why we all love him so much. But then the just the drastic turn he has made in his life. He's a fantastic human being, and how much he gives back, not just you know to the radio station or to the team, but to the community. It, it's kind of an inspiring thing, Nico. It really is. I mean, I did a story with him in August. He organized a shoe drive. Because, and who think you know, so many people don't think about little things like that, but that's where his head's at. Like, okay, these kids are going back to school. Let's make sure they have some new and nice sneakers. So, you know what? Bullying doesn't start. And, and it's a lot of these grassroots ideas. So he's one of the good guys, and you're right. It's It's been a an awesome transformation, and it's it's so cool to get to know him. And listen, if you watch the basketball tournament with Bayheim's Army, the dude's still got it, too. <laughs> yeah, he can absolutely play. I uh, it was a year or two ago. I played in in a uh, all star type of uh, wheelchair basketball game 
with him and, you know, just watching him shoot around beforehand and dribble around a little bit. I, I mean, I threatened to take him one-on-one or at least play horse with the guy. <laughs> and then I rethought that. I was like, yeah, no, Eric can clearly still play basketball at a very high level. And I just absolutely cannot. Syracuse had a tough. Oh, you and me both, so. <laughs> yeah, uh, Syracuse had a tough time though last night against Louisville. And there's not much to be discussed about a game like that. I don't want to dig through the details because I'm a homer, and oh, it's it was pretty painful. It was painful, and you can pretty much say. I mean, the, here I am in here doing this impassioned, you know, patent speech, trying to get everybody fired up. And it was a dud, man. Yeah, now we're like, oh, it looks like at large is a conversation is probably off the table. There's, I suppose, still ways to get that done. But just after after the loss, thinking about it, having a chance to let it digest a little bit, Nico, uh, where are you at with the Q's basketball team? Yeah, I think we're in the same boat. I mean, I think it's ACC tournament or bust at this point. I mean, I suppose, you know, listen, if they win these last five games, as difficult as that would be, I, I certainly don't expect that. They'd be 19 and 12, and so, okay, maybe you make the argument that you get a couple of the ACC tournament, but even then, they still wouldn't have that marquee win, like the, which in the ACC this year would only be Florida State, Louisville, and Duke. So even then, it's a stretch, and that's me talking about winning like seven in a row. So, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think we're in the same boat here that it's, you know, ACC tournament or bust. Um, I'll say this, you know, yeah, last night was ugly. I did my show with Adrian Autry for our orange zone we do on CW6. And he made a great point that he's like, this team, that was the only game since November they've been out of. So he likes the growth he's seen. But again, it's just a little, might be a little too late this year. But, man, it, that game, it was just ugly. I mean, even early on when they were down seven at halftime, there was just so many turnovers. And you just you didn't think they were going to be able to do it. And then I didn't think they'd lose by 24. But, yeah, so it was a tough one. And, uh, you know, let's see if they can at least get some wins and get some experience and, and make some make it a little interesting down the stretch here. We'll see. I mean, you know the Dome will be back, but let's see if they can make some things happen. And not that I think they'd be in necessarily, but at least give fans something to be excited about. With CNY Central Sports Director Nico Tamirian on ESPN Syracuse 97.7 and 100.1, I thought it interesting that, again, in his postgame remarks, Coach Bayheim sort of bristled at the idea that the, the fellas get tired at the end of a half or at the end of the game, and he just kind of flat out said, "No, that's not it. We weren't good enough." Mm-hmm. That that you know he doesn't he, like that suggestion that's been floated around in the media that the guys the fellas are getting tired. Yeah, and and it's you know it's a tough one because you look at it and you're like, well, yeah, I mean, Elijah Hughes isn't leaving the court. I mean, I obviously did at the end when it was out of hand, you know, Joe Girard is seldom leaving the court. And so, so it's easy to look at it from our perspective and say, well, yeah, but I mean, you've got guys that are among the top 10 and Elijah definitely in the top three of minutes played in division one basketball. So it's easy to look at that from our perspective, you know, but then again, these guys are, I mean, a guy like Elijah, I'm telling you will be in the NBA is a world-class athlete. So you know, who am I with, like, you know, my 30 minutes on a elliptical bike to be like, oh, that guy's going to be tired, right? <laughs> True story. <laughs> so it's hard. I get the, I get the, uh, the uh, argument from the media and, and the logic, like, totally, because you see the minutes played. And, you know, there's times it looks like they might be gassed. But I also get coaches' perspective. So I'm on the fence on that one. I know I'm supposed to take hot takes on the radio, but I, I'm genuinely on the fence of that one. I, I don't know what the right answer is, but who am I to question you know, Jim's never changed his answer on that front. You know, who am I to question it? Well, you can give us hot takes, medium takes, cold takes. We're fine with any takes. 
Nico Tamarian here with us on the Sportsilla Show on ESPN Radio. You know, it brings in the, it, the conversation of the short leash thing that got our buddy Brent Axe, who's on the block with you at four o'clock, in a little bit of trouble with Jim before short bench, the rotation, how many players he goes through on your normal and a normal game. But I actually want to bring up Brent for another reason. It was a nice way to transition into the fact that I want to know how much joy you get when your team beats his team in street ball with the crunch. Oh, so much joy. That's the highlight of my summer, man. No, uh, listen, and I like Brent a lot. He and I go way back. We're very good friends, but it's still competition. And the fact that he beat me the first three years and I had to hear about it, the dude was like tweeting at me in December when the game wasn't until August. I'm like, okay, enough. So when we finally got the first one in, in 17, that's how much it means to me. Like I remember the years and everything. Uh, that was that was big for me. And, and the street hockey trophy right now, I can tell you, is on Wayne Mahar's desk because he was in our, the best goalie in the game. He's our guy here. So, um, yeah, that is that is one of the highlights of the summer. Love beating Brent. The other 364, I guess this year, 365 days. Love the guy, but that one Saturday morning in August, I can't stand him. It's just <laughs> – it, it cracks me up because – you know, being radio brothers, I'm supposed to support Team Axe, but I have been very vocal on social media over the last and handful. I appreciate this. I'm always Team Nico. <laughs> just, <laughs> I just sit back and I laugh and I laugh and I laugh. But I brought up the Syracuse Crunch for a reason. Uh, on Saturday, they have a Pride Night, which uh, with a hashtag, you know, everybody can love watch hockey, whatever that is. Uh, but the mm-hmm. but the point is, it, it's all about inclusion. Everybody can come out and be accepted and watch a hockey game. And I just think it's a fantastic thing that they do. You see the rainbow logo on the sticks, on the tape, and just everywhere within the War Memorial. And I'm just, I'm proud to support a team like that. And I know that you are too. I just would love to hear what you think about them doing things like that. That's another way to reach out to the community, which Syracuse Crunch are a big part of it. Go ahead, Nico. Definitely. Yeah, no, that's just it. I mean, they are a class act organization, top to bottom. They do everything right. Uh, I personally, you know, and I, you know, work with all the, all the teams and colleges and all that. And everybody's, you know, by and large great, but they are just top notch in every sense. You know, Howard Dolgan said, team owner, of course, that, uh, because this team's in 2020 and his, when somebody asked him why about this. And I just think that's so cool because, um, listen, they're only going to be the third team in the American Hockey League to ever do this. And it's 2020. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's a little, that number needs to be much higher than that. And I, like you said, I'm proud that a team in Central New York is one of the teams that is doing that. So never mind how awesome the jerseys do look, because they are sharp as can be. But I think that's, I mean, it's forward thinking. And to be honest, put yourself out there because you know they've told me like there have been you know idiots out there sending emails you know against this idea. Which okay, uh, where are you coming from with that? So it's uh, it's really awesome that the Crunch does something like this. You know being brave about it, and, uh, again, being with the times. I think it's so cool. And, and by the way, uh, can we mark the calendar for my birthday next year, February 13th? Oh. How cool is that going to be? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. We oh. were, we were going to get to that. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Oh, I knew you were, but I just had to mention that's like my birthday present. Well, yeah, what a great coincidence, huh? How about this? It's also Mama Rain's birthday. It's my mother's oh. birthday as yeah, well. Yeah, it's a great day. Great it's, day to be born. It sure is. You know, it, it's funny, Scoop. So there he goes with a very nice transition. He just laid it out for us to talk about that, the Empire State Classic, the outdoor game next year at Griffiths. Now, it's fantastic that it's the Crunch and the Comets, the throughway throwdown, Delmonico's Italian Steakhouse, Galaxy Cup, something that we're in season with right now, seven or so games into it. But the thing for me, and it reminded me of the Carrier Classic, we discussed it yesterday, is allowing Oswego, 
Oswego State and the Lakers yeah. to play Utica College, just like they did at the Dome. Because you're seeing outdoor games. The Crunch started, I think we're at the 10-year anniversary of the first outdoor game that the Crunch had at the fairgrounds Today. against yeah. Binghamton. Yeah, but then you've seen 11 of them since, and now you see the Winter Classic all the time and, and the New Year's game outdoor with the NHL. So a lot of these guys, if you're playing pro, there's a chance you might get that experience. Not a lot of D3 hockey players get that experience, Scoop. Yeah, and like yeah. The, the NHL has that stadium series thing now. Like It's obviously a hit, and people like it. It's expanding, and it's great that these D3 players get a chance to do this. Uh, you know, you, They talk about it being hockey the way it should be played, because we kind of grew up playing on the pond outside or maybe on a, a frozen creek somewhere. And, I did it. And, and uh, in addition to maybe playing on a rink. So it is cool, and I, I think everybody, wasn't it like the – Sabres and Penguins had that game at New Era Field, and it was snowing, you know. I mean, I, mm-hmm. there's just been some great iconic moments in these games, too. Let's get a quick thought from you, Nico, and then we got one more quick one after that before we yeah. gotta step into a break. Go ahead. Yeah, understood. No, I think you hit the nail on the head about letting the college guys play in that game. And uh, my favorite part, two things about this. Number one, that you have this rivalry with the crunching comments. The fans don't like each other. The players don't like each other. But the ownership likes each other, and they – have fostered this rivalry with Dome Game, the Galaxy Cup, and now you're playing an outdoor game. I, I, this is a rivalry done the right way. And lastly about this, I want to say, like you said, playing at Griffiths, this is not a stadium game. This is going to be on like a field. They're going to have to roll in bleachers. This is going to be, as far as outdoor games go, genuinely unique in how they do it. Nico, the last thing I want to ask you about real quick, your take on the XFL so far, and that would include our friend Eric Dungy of Syracuse University with Dallas. He took a week off, but he's been back at practice, uh, third string at this point. We want to see him start. Where are you at with that? Well, first of all, why is he not starting? I mean, that's just unbelievable. And we were obviously biased and central. There's no reason that guy shouldn't be starting. I mean, I, I, you could get me going for about 20 minutes on that. It's just ludicrous. Now, the XFL itself, listen, I think this is going to work. Me and here's too. why. It's different enough from regular traditional NFL football. One, two, and three-point conversions uh, for everybody watching the way you've got coaches mic'd up and things that you've just never seen before. So, um, listen, I think that if you just trotted these guys out there and had them play traditional NFL rules, I don't think it would have the allure. Yeah, it's football in February, March, and April, but I don't think it would have the allure it does. But you've got a different enough rule set, and I think it's really – I've enjoyed the first couple weeks. I really have. Minus Eric Dungy not play. Give Wayne Mahar the best in the biz a fist bump from me. He lets me <laughs> he lets me walk dogs with him every summer, which is fantastic. And all the best to you and Farrah. Let's make a habit out of this, okay, Nico? Hey, you call me anytime, my man. Happy to be here. CNY Central Sports Director Nico Tamarian on the Sports Illustrated Show, ESPN Radio, ninety-seven point seven and one hundred point one. Got Jason Fitz on the phone next. It's the SportsZilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop. We're joined now by Jason Fitz of the ESPN Radio Network. First take, your take. Welcome, Jason. We're going to start with you and ask about the NBA All-Star Game and the new format. Did you like it? Did you dislike it? How would you feel about the NBA All-Star Game? I thought it was a lot better than I expected. One of the things that I think has sort of been hidden on it is by resetting the score every 
quarter, what they really did is didn't make us face the fact that they weren't playing any defense. Like the final, the final score was the final winning score was one fifty seven. Right? We were talking about how great the defense was in the fourth quarter. I just think it, it was nice to not have a reminder that we went into the fourth quarter, whatever, one hundred and thirty three sc- points scored. So it was not exactly the defensive juggernaut we're making it out to be. But True. I thought it was really interesting the way it continually reset, the way it kept everybody engaged in every quarter because of it. And then the fact is, because it mattered to players at the end of the game, they played harder. And it's a it's a great example of when the players have an idea that the league implements and everybody's behind it, man, there is some power to it. I thought it was really entertaining. We're here with Jason Fitz. First take your take on the mothership on ESPN Radio with Syracuse's tough loss to Louisville. I mean, I don't know if bracketology is something they're going to have a chance to get after this year. If they do, probably NIT. But if you know anything about Jason Fitz... You know, it's March Madness. It's bracketology. Tell them about it. First and foremost, you got to know, I do a lot of work with college sports in general. But on Thursday nights, I get to work with Joe Lenardi every week on an ESPN, PSBN Plus show uh, based on all around bracketology. So I feel like I've had more brackets and more, uh, more sample brackets. I've done more bracket study over the last few months than I ever thought I would possibly do. And my brain is exploding. I don't know how Joe does it every single day. Yeah, we kind of... We, we kind of thought that was a rhetorical question and <laughs> knew the answer before we asked it. Uh, so has uh, Joe Lenardi said anything to you about cues? Because we really were just crossing our fingers, drinking the Kool-Aid, and we want to know. Well, go ahead. And where do you have them right now in your bracketology? Well, and, and here's the thing. Yeah, Syracuse is something we've talked a lot about because you can't talk about college basketball right now and not be obsessed with everything in the ACC, right? So, right. Uh, understandably, I think this one of the few. This is one of the rare areas where today, right now, they're not in. Obviously, we all know that. But it's rare to be in a situation where you're not in and you still hold your destiny in front of you to the point that you guys made. There's a lot of pavement left in front of everybody through the ACC tournament, and that's where they have the opportunity to do their damage. Can they? This feels like a tall task. I just think the the ACC is so uh, football-heavy. The ACC is so stinking good this year. I don't see how they're going to get through. Uh, but you're right. They've got to string together some wins. They still have the wins in front of them that could get them in, and they've got to win three in the tournament, and then they can maybe make, a, make their way in. They're going, to, they're going to have to get some tournaments outside of that also that break their way, though. They, this has to be – Syracuse is one of the schools right now that's rooting for every tournament to go chalk on the small side. <laughs> I felt that in my heart, but I know it in my head. He's right. Jason Fitz is with us, glue guy. Go ahead. Uh, Brett Gardner with the stalker situation. What is your thoughts on that? It's look. This is all incredibly difficult, right? I mean, I mean, I don't know exactly. I, here's the hard part about it. I mean, I always say this. I had the opportunity to make my living in country music, and in country music, sometimes you see the best of people, and sometimes, frankly, you see the worst of people. And, and and I mean that from a fan standpoint too. It's so strange and it's so surreal for an athlete or for an entertainer to come to some the position where you feel like you're you're doing what you do and you're doing what you love, and now all of a sudden something crosses the line. And that's you know the hardest part about it is because. When you get these situations, and I've seen it repeatedly, uh, I always go back to many years ago. I was just dating my now wife, and you know, I was I was out on the road, and I had a show where I played one show, and I left right away. We were we were gone immediately, and the next day on social media, somebody was posting about how you know I'd sat with them for hours and had this deep, meaningful conversation, and obviously I hadn't. I was on a plane. Everybody knew I was on a plane, but there are just delusional moments that happen for people, and it's a really uncomfortable part of platform. And, you know, I don't, 
I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy because at some point, if you're a baseball player, you signed up to play baseball, and you know that with that comes a lot of celebrity and a lot of responsibility. But when you are dealing with somebody that unfortunately, whether it's through mental illness or whatever, has crossed the line in their own minds, there's no easy way to get your security back, and there's no easy way to feel normal. And that's the hardest part of all of it to sort of comp- to, to decompress. Jason, I want to get your thoughts on this shadow that's just cast over the entire Major League Baseball spring training season that's going on. And it's probably going to extend into the regular season with the Astros and the sign stealing. And, you know, I I think we're going to see some guys get thrown at. There's a lot of anger out there in the fan base. I'm questioning how the commissioner's office has handled this whole thing. What are your thoughts on it? Rob Manfred should be let go. I shouldn't be the commissioner of Major League Baseball anymore. And uh, he has failed the entire sport in the way he's handled it. And, you know, as much as he's talked about having to give immunity to give to get any sort of honesty from players, what's lost in that is immunity doesn't have to mean complete immunity. And he's sort of sat behind the crutch of the Players Association would fight any punishment. But the reality of it is Rob Manfred could have gone in and said, fine, we'll fight that publicly in the meantime. If I find out you cheated and you don't tell me what you did, you're never going to play baseball again as long as I'm in charge. If you tell me what you did, you're only going to lose one year of your career. And by the way, we're taking away the World Series title. He could have done that across the board and forced the Players Association to then fight that, which would have made baseball the good guy, by the way, and also would have put baseball in a very weird situation because a lot of people don't realize the Players Association – is funded by weekly dues, by paychecks that come from other baseball players. That's where the money comes from. So suddenly you're going to ask all of Major League Baseball to chip in part of their dues to protect the cheaters. And as much as that's what the Baseball Players Association has to do, that would have created a total different level of open, honest conversation from players about what they're willing to protect. It was a huge opportunity for Manfred to come in and look strong, take that World Series title away, and make a statement. He didn't. And now all of a sudden he's lost the respect of everybody that seemingly plays his sport. I don't know how you get that back. Talking to Jason Fitz from First Take Your Take with the Mothership ESPN Radio here on the Sportzilla Show. And uh, Jason, just so you know, I don't want to say it too loud, but uh, we're not far from Rome, New York, which is actually the hometown of Rob Manfred, Major League Baseball's commissioner. So uh, I just wanted to let you know, bud. It's all right. We got you back because you're not wrong. So we'll see if uh, that comment gets so I'm any extremely popular there now. <laughs> it's, hey, listen. Hey, I, but they love the band Perry in Rome. They do. <laughs> and that's you're fair. you're not saying anything that's unreasonable, though, uh, Jason. So, yeah, it's it's tough to argue that point. This is a messy, messy situation for the game. But let's switch to another game. That being football couple weeks into the XFL right now, far different than it was 20 years ago. Uh, there's been a lot of interesting developments. I mean, we've had a Pepper Johnson get fired, a defensive coordinator, after one week. We had a situation where the quarterback, the Guardians... Matt McGloin had a meltdown, yeah. He's at halftime, and he trashes his team. You don't often see that. And the coach, kind of, you know? I mean, <laughs> And yet, just as the game plan was bad, he had thrown an interception... So it, what he should have called himself out. Maybe a little execution and performance would have helped his situation. But then ultimately, it ends up with him benched in the fourth quarter. Something you're probably going to get with these live mics, you're going to get some reactions that we're not accustomed to 
with the uh, close to the vest NFL. But Jason, uh, comment on that situation, that bizarre development in the XFL. But then just overall, it's been some pretty decent football. I would wonder if you agree. Yeah, it has been. Uh, look, I think you're going to get some. Uh, it's only going to get more contentious as the league continues, and you're asking coaches immediately afterwards what happened, and players immediately afterwards. I mean. I think there's the opportunity for real volatility there. We love it, but at the same time, I wouldn't envy being in that situation if I was anybody. Now, the play itself, I think week two we saw a big drop-off from quarterbacks, and that's significant to me because week one, nobody had film on anybody. Week two, everybody had a little bit of film to know what to expect. And what you see, you saw defenses quickly catch up with quarterbacks and their ability to progress and move forward. So there are a couple, Cardell Jones and P.J. Walker, that look great, but other than that, Man, I don't, I don't know that we're going to get much good quarterback play out of there. That's the thing that I'm most concerned about because the XFL can't afford dud games, and they can't afford teams that turn out to be horrible. They've got a couple teams right now that look, that are winless. They need that. I mean, you only got eight eight teams per week. Every single one of them is on TV. So we can't afford wasted games if we're looking for the XFL to, to continue to grow. So I hope that we see offenses take a big step forward this week because I think it's a necessary part of it. And, Coaches need to get a little bit more creative. So there are still challenges ahead of the league, but they're still in a situation where I think ultimately they can win and they can go long-term if they get some of this figured out. Jason Fitz from First Take, your take on ESPN with us. We're up against the break, so the last thing I'm going to ask you on a human level, have you seen the video of Ryan Newman walking out of the hospital hand-in-hand with his two daughters, basically signaling to the world after that just horrific crash? That's amazing. That horrific crash that ultimately he's going to be okay, and here we are only a couple days later. It's one of the most staggering things to see, and it was a a crash that looked like it was straight out of a movie. So to see... That ending out of it is a testament to how great NASCAR has become with safety and also how incredible the emergency people were on the scene in making sure they got that fire put out and getting them out of there safely. I don't think we've talked enough about that part of it. It's absolutely incredible that that happened and that he's still here to be with his family. It's it's emotional and a big win for NASCAR. It's Jason Fitz from First Take, Your Take. You may have heard him on with Sarah Spain before, maybe Golik and Wingo, check in bracketology. ESPN Radio, 97.7 and 100.1. Be right back on the SportsZilla Show. 100.1. It's the SportsZilla Show on ESPN Radio, 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Lane and Scoop. Create new memories while ice skating this season with Krause Health Skates in the city. Beautiful open-air rink at Clinton Square or the indoor rink at Sunnycrest. Open daily for daytime or nighttime fun. Only $3 to skate and $3 for skate rentals. Daily special and details at skatesinthecity.com. Skates in the city, fun memories downtown. The incomparable Doris Burke talking about who is the most dangerous team in the Western Conference of the National Basketball Association that's not in Los Angeles. See Clippers and Lakers. Fascinated, uh, Mike, to watch the grand experiment in Houston. They doubled down, got a couple of more players who are small, switchable, athletic, can make threes. I do think that the size of the, the Lakers would be problematic for them, the way the Lakers protect the rim with both uh, JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard. To me, the team that might have the highest ceiling, it's, it's a team that's 
the sum of its parts are, are what makes it special. Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, the experience they had a year ago in the playoffs, losing to Portland in seven games. The addition of Michael Porter Jr., the elite defense of Torrey Craig. Uh, Jokic, after a very slow start, has been absolutely brilliant. Um, they're deep. They now have some experience. But to me, it still comes down to Lakers Clippers. Aha, uh-huh. so it's still going to be a Los Angeles team. On the flip side of that Eastern Conference, Jay Williams, who might it be in the East? Interesting. The Celtics are going to make the Eastern Conference Finals, and they're going to be led by Jason Tatum. I think he's going to average 25 points to get there. In his last game, he had 39 points. And, legs. one of the things I love about the way he's playing this year, he's way more efficient with his style. He's taking threes off spot-up Jays. He's taking drives to the rim, and he's taking tough twos at the end of shot clocks when he needs to. That's not a consistent method for him. Assuming that's going to be against either Toronto or Milwaukee at this point, Scoop. we got to get on the block with Brand X, but what do you got? Uh, I love Doris Burke. Yeah, me too. She's fascinating. Uh, we need more. Yeah, she is, I think, if not the best, one of the best in the business. And you can remove female from that because that's not even in place. She's just a great broadcaster. I love when she's on the mic for the NBA. On the block with Brent X, who uh, I believe um, Nico Tamarian has beaten a few times. Street crunch, street ball game. But anyways, <laughs> that's on the way. It's Sportsilla Show, ESPN Radio, 97.7 and 100.1.